It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Piers Morgan on Sensor tonight. Manchester City just made global headlines by winning three of the biggest trophies in football. But was it won fairly? The club faces more than 100 charges of financial rule-breaking. Tonight we'll air bombshell, bombshell new revelations about those charges and we'll debate the Middle East takeover of sport. Also tonight, the cost of living like a king. New figures show royal spending is rocketed. I think they're worth every penny, but I'll debate with two royal naysayers who don't think they're worth anything. Plus, celebrity chef John Mountain sensationally bans vegans from his restaurant to protect, he says, his mental health. Is this the way to deal with the vegan fun police? He joins me live. Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. <clears throat> Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Whether you like it or not, many don't, many do. The Middle East is hitting world sport like a ballistic missile. Oil-rich states with bottomless pits of cash are spending untold wads of their desert dollars on buying up the games that we love. They're competing furiously with each other. They're transforming sport, and they're just getting started. Qatar ploughed $220 billion into the World Cup. Formula One is in Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Qatar, Abu Dhabi. Dubai boasts major boxing bouts that would have once been a shoe-in for Vegas or New York. The Saudi-backed Live Golf has just turned that sport upside down, now it's sensationally merging with the PGA Tour. And next, the Saudis are planning a massive swing into professional tennis. And, of course, they want the biggest sport of all, football. The beautiful game. Well, they're in the Premier League as owners of Newcastle United and barely a day seems to pass without another major star following Cristiano Ronaldo to the Desert Kingdom for eye-watering sums. But this sporting arms race all began arguably with the UAE. The Emiratis bought Manchester City back in 2008. It's now become the jewel in the Middle East sporting crown. City were a middling club, the ugly duckling of Manchester, forever in the shadows of Manchester United, but not anymore. It's United in the shadows of City. City have spent billions turning City into the champions of Europe. They just beat my beloved Arsenal to the Premier League title, their seventh under Sheikh Mansour. It's a sore subject for us gooners, of course. So you might think, perhaps, like I do, that there's something wrong with it. And maybe there is. We'll debate that later tonight. But the key question we're asking first is, is it fair? Was it a level playing field? Did Manchester City actually play by the rules that have been laid down? They've now been charged with more than 100 breaches of Premier League financial regulations. And tonight, we're going to reveal new revelations which will uncover a little bit more about those 
charges. Well, joining me now is the Times Chief Sports Correspondent, Matt Lawton, to talk us through it, plus talk to you, the international editor, Isabel Oakshot, and the former vice chairman of Arsenal, David Dean, and uh, remotely by the Conservative MP and former chair of the Commons, Commons Culture, Media and Sport Committee, Damien Collins. Well, thank you all for joining me. OK, Matt, tonight the Times is breaking a story which reveals some detail of these charges against mm. Manchester City. What is it and how significant is it? It's a specific detail which is supported by documents. It's supported by the fact that there is a new film that has obtained uh, a UEFA report that was into City, these allegations of financial doping, if you like, uh, at Manchester City. Um, and specifically, what you've, got to, what you've got to do, if you row back in time, City arrive, these guys arrive and they, they, they own City and they want, they've got so much money but there are rules that limit how much they can spend it. So the allegations really are around the fact that whether they were using slightly underhand ways to spend the money faster, to, to close the gap on, on the Arsenals and the Manchester United quicker. In, in this specific case, what we have are, are two payments of £15 million in 2012 and 2013, so £30 million in total, by a mystery figure. Now, UEFA looked at this person, uh, Yabba Mohamed, and they couldn't actually identify who he was. But what's, what's important about this story is the fact that, actually, when it came to it, a lot of what UEFA looked at when they investigated Manchester City was time-barred, and they had a five-year limit. That's not the case with the Premier League, and we're pretty certain that of the 115 charges that City, that, that City are facing from the Premier League... And that's the thing, when we talk about City winning the, winning the treble two and a half weeks ago, it's hard... You have to still look at it within the context of these charges that are hanging over them. We're pretty confident this would be one of the charges. And this is the kind of thing, just, just this random and money... And simple layman's language... Just shoving money... There's in £30 the million pounds have come in from this mystery donor who's not an official sponsor. No. He's, and who do we think he is? Who do we think he represents? Well, we think he's not far removed from the, you know from the people that, that run the country. So... And if that is the case, is that a clear breach of Premier League rules? Yes, because, it, because it's not a sponsorship deal. It's not a legitimate sponsorship deal. The, the, the point is, when you are City in 2012-2013, you, you know, in 2023, they are now the richest club in the world, the most successful. They attract all the sponsorship, they attract all the money because they're winning everything. So everyone wants to sponsor them. But back then, even though they were going to win the title... Um, you know, they're winning their first title. Back then, they're not commanding the sums they need to spend far. You know, that, that squad that Pep Guardiola just won the treble with cost the best part of a billion pounds to assemble. So you've got to spend that money, and they had to spend money fast to get into a position where they could really... What are the it. repercussions? If they're found guilty of a number of these charges, like the one that The Times is reporting tonight, mm. if they're found guilty, what happens? Well, the, 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 the options open to the Premier League are pretty extensive, including relegating them from the Premier League. Would they remove this recently won Premier League title and would that automatically go to the club that came second? <laughs> well, unfortunately for Arsenal, the, 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 span of, the time span of the charges is 2009 to, to, to 2018. But you could argue the whole edifice has been built on what they did in those first few years. Absolutely. If that was all done illegally, breaking the rules of the Premier League, it's pretty serious. I mean, David, look, you've been at the forefront of all this, one of the Premier League's great, you know, creators. What do you make of this? 
I'm not sure how much of a smoking gun this really is in the scheme of things. And whatever you say, Manchester City, and I'm not here to defend Manchester City, they've done a sensational job, not just for themselves, but for the Premier League. 115 charges. Understand that, and they've still got to be proven yet, don't they? No, but only one of them here out of 115 okay. involves well, £30 million. As pounds. we all know, they're innocent until proven guilty. Sure. So there's a lot of long way to go yet. They'll probably trundle along for the next couple of years in any case. I cannot see them having any titles taken away from them. I think that would be wrong in the scheme of things. But uh, let's see uh, uh, what the argument is. We're going to come back again. to the... I want to come back to the wider debate about this sports-washing concept. But let me bring in uh, Damien Collins. So, Damien... What do you make of this, this whole situation around City and the sort of central charge, I guess, that these 115 uh, charges which they're facing relating to the first few years that they were involved with this big takeover by Sheikh Mansour, if it turns out that they really were masking and concealing vast sums of money, which has then led to them becoming the biggest club in the world, what should be done about this? Well, there should be some sanction against them. And I think that can't just be a fine which will be irrelevant to Manchester City. It has to be some sort of in-game sanction. And I think these 115 charges aren't a trivial matter. Sometimes when you hear people talking about this, it makes it sound like this is these are details for lawyers. This is about the integrity of the competition. If clubs are willingly breaking the rules for their own advantage to give them a competitive advantage within those sporting competitions, there have to be robust sporting sanctions. I think it also shows there has to be proper, robust, independent financial oversight of, of football clubs as well. I think too much of this takes place within the sport. And also it's too easy for very wealthy clubs to use lawyers to frustrate investigations for years. It needs to be much more transparent than it's been so far. I mean, the bottom line is that, that no club should be state-owned, right? But a lot of clubs are already, it looks to me, circumnavigating that. They're sort of setting up entities which are clearly linked to states and they're getting round it that way. Should we be tightening the loopholes on this? Yeah, I think that's, that's why we need to have this much-discussed football regulator in the UK, where there's proper transparency of financial records. This isn't just done within the sporting competitions themselves, but actually there's an external body that's got the right to know who's the, who are the ultimate owners of the club, where are the funds coming from, are they trading within the financial fair play rules? Because what a lot of fans will feel is a club is bought effectively by a sovereign wealth fund, a very rich entity, Billions of pounds are pumped in. Now, where's that money going for? How's it being spent? Because it distorts the competition for everyone else if clubs are breaking the financial rules. And what we've got to avoid, I think, is football being owned by a very small number of people who are the only people who've got the resources to buy some of these clubs and operate them in the way they're being run now. Right. Isabel, let's look at this in a bigger picture of sports washing, this mm. new phrase. I'm kind of torn on it because I think there's obviously a degree of sports washing. Obviously, a lot of these Middle Eastern countries would like to improve their images, particularly the ones sure. like Saudi that have got you know, poor human rights records and so on. And it's right they should be held accountable for, for the human rights abuses and so on. But it's also true. I've seen it with my friend Cristiano Ronaldo over in, in Saudi, the amazing impact he's been having on football there, but also the reaction of the young Saudi football fans. They're football nuts over there. And we saw with the Qatar World Cup, teams like Morocco and others, huge support, huge, huge interest in the region. Uh, why should they not be able to go around the world investing in sport that their own people absolutely love? What is intrinsically wrong with that, even if along the way there is clearly an element of sports washing? 
Well, as Damien Collins was saying there, it's about transparency, isn't it? And I think you make a very fair point here about the actual impact that it's having back in those countries. And I think, to me, what this shows is the astonishing level of ambition that there is in the Middle East at the moment. Mm. I mean, several countries that are ploughing huge sums of money into getting involved in sport as part of a kind of whole overhaul of their international image for geopolitical reasons. And the government here has, I think, rightly taken a very pragmatic view of that. You know, taking Saudi Arabia as an example, we basically need them. You know, we well, we, must, we still we still have arms deals with Saudi Arabia. Forty percent. We still buy oil, of our arms. oil from Saudi Arabia. Yep. The Qataris own half of London. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy I found around the Qatar World Cup. I mean, Matt, if you come to the way that journalists in this country have covered all this, it's a lot of like a sort of angry reaction from British journalists about sports washing and how wrong it all is. But ultimately, if you ask City fans, you ask Newcastle fans, you ask golf fans, who are now going to see their biggest stars in the world come together for some collective competition, whatever it may be, if you ask most sports fans about the huge injections of cash, I don't think they're as morally mm. problematic about it as perhaps journalists here are. I think we were right, just as you've done it just now, I think we were right to, to question some of the human rights issues going into Qatar and even before the football started. Um, particularly when they're confiscating rainbow hats off people and stuff like that, the sort of PR own goals that were happening. But if that's but, their culture. You know, you can't expect to go into another country and they, have, they are conservative When England won the World countries. Cup in 1966, it was actually illegal to be gay in this country. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, but, How would we have felt if people had come along with but, rainbow but, flags then? They'd have been taken down, they'd have been arrested. Yeah, so I, I do think you have society to... Society evolves. Yeah, but I do think the idea that England in particular takes yeah. any high some moral kind of ground. Moral I mean, high ground. We invaded Iraq illegally, right. in my opinion. It's yeah. just my opinion. Invaded Iraq illegally. Uh, caused mayhem in the Middle East, and yet somehow we think we are morally pure enough yeah. to lecture the Middle East about no, look, how they should conduct themselves. I, I, I've, I've never bought that argument particularly. I, agree with you. I think the reporting was balanced because the messaging before the World Cup was that everyone was welcome, and then people were made to feel they weren't welcome. And you know, we interviewed gay football fans out there who didn't feel welcome. Anyway, but... but Wasn't that because you lot told them they weren't welcome? Because what I found on the streets of Qatar, everyone was having a great time. Great time. It was you going up to gay people saying, well, do you feel welcome? Yeah, <laughs> well, Wasn't it to a, a large well, degree? I, I, you know, I would read some of the stuff. But anyway, um, look, it, it, it's... But on sports washing generally, yeah. is there a line between genuine sports washing, which I'm sure they're all yeah. trying to do, wash their human rights records, yeah. improve their image, but also genuine recognition that they really do want to get involved in sport. And actually, if the sport benefits like golf tremendously from grassroots up, from vast injections of cash... Do we care? Look, I live in Manchester and I've been covering the Manchester United sale for seven months now. Um, the majority of Manchester United fans want the Qataris to win this yeah. battle because they just see an opportunity to, to be up back, back up with the big boys in terms mm. of the spending, in terms of being able to take on what they see as a potential threat, well, a clear threat from Newcastle down the line, but more more locally from Manchester City, right. so 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 they, they, they so they want that. Um, I think it is you know the horse has bolted. I think they're here to stay. I sat with I representatives of the Saudis when mm. I was in Qatar. I, I sat with the Qataris. They want the World Cup in in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They want the Olympics. Yeah. 
you know, it, David, it, let me bring you in. I mean, you've done a lot of business around the world, right? We met, we had a nice cup of tea in Qatar, and it was an amazingly well-run World Cup. The best. Everyone had a great time. I thought, I thought the best. Graham Soon has told me it's yeah. the best he'd been to. Um, but there is, there are obviously political issues here. You can't divorce politics and sport. Obviously, some of these countries, like Saudi Arabia, have very bad records on human rights. And you can't ignore that in all this. And obviously, they're trying to improve their image. Where's the line for you? Well, there is a balance. Firstly, how do you stop overseas investment? And it's been going on for years. You take Rolls-Royce cars. Who owns Rolls-Royce? One of the, one, the, the best names in English car manufacturer. Who owns it? BMW. Mm. Who, who owns um, Harrods? State of Qatar. Mm. Who owns Coleman's Mustard, if you like? And that's a hot subject. Mm. Who, you know who? Unilever of Holland. So you're always going to get overseas investors. Who owns your newspaper, Matt? Mm. I mean, Australia. we're not making a huge fuss about the fact that the Chinese have huge stakes in our critical national infrastructure. Mm. I mean, that's arguably much more worrying than anything that we're seeing here. And the point you made about the Saudis wanting to get their own mm. people involved, I've looked at their Vision 2030, an incredible plan mm. for how they're going to transform in every little way. And it's, it's from the big to the small, for example, they want to raise life expectancy from 74 to 80 there. They've got very specific plans about how much sport they want everybody to be doing every week. I think it would it would behold the UK to slightly reduce our moral yeah. high ground on this. Yeah. Because there honestly, is, there is something called financial fair play in existence. Yeah. So there there is a levelling, and it's meant to, and it will work eventually if you put red. But if these charges against City are true, or even half of them are true, they have trampled yeah. all over. Well, that's that's another story, and as I say, that's yet to be proven. Mm. You want to mention two quick things before we let you go? Oh, that's very kind, yes. Mm -hmm. um, to, to, if we can talk football for two minutes. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Always talk football. So I'm on two, two campaigns to do with football. One is timekeeping, because you know how long it takes to score a goal, Matt? Four minute, right, four man move. Guy scores, how long does it take? 35 seconds. 10 seconds. Okay. So when the, when the fourth official puts up three or four minutes, is he accurate for the last 10 seconds? No, he's not. I want the time loss. I'm not talking about... Can't we say four it. minutes and get rid of VAR, I, which has been no, a total no, no, no. travesty? I'm a great believer in VAR, and I think it helps the referees. We're all talking I about think integrity. he's killed the joy out oh, of football. Piers, mm -hmm. well, we'll have to disagree on that one, because... Come I'm, back another I'm, time, we'll debate okay, VAR. OK, so anyway, I'm on timekeeping. I want to eventually see real time. I want the fans to realise they're going to get 60 minutes of actually pure football. I think fans that's would agree. One. What's the other one? That's another one. The other one is penalty shootouts, believe it or not. Why is it that the penalties are taken at one end, which has to be a disadvantage to the opposing mm. team? I want to see penalties taken at either end. So let's take the cup final. You have Man City taking their penalties. So you both take them at your own end or Absolutely. opposition end? So at least the... Uh, no, you take it at your own, at the, where you've got twenty or 30,000 fans. Yeah, you're depriving me of the joy of watching... Somebody from Tottenham taking a penalty against Arsenal and fifty thousand of us booing at him. Well, yeah, and how <laughs> I don't want you doing that. How does a penalty? <laughs> how does he feel? How are the fans at the wrong end of the pitch feel when they've got to watch it down the other end? Well, look, I'm, I'm as that. always, I'm you're an innovator. You always have been. Thank That's you. why my club's in such a great condition. Thanks to, to you and all you did. So thank you again for that. Thank you, very Matt. Much. Great story tonight. It's going to be very interesting how this all plays out when we get more details and more of these charges. 
Isabel, thank you as always thank for you. your perspective. If you'd like to watch, and thank you to Damien as well for joining us, Damien Collins over there, I appreciate it. Uh, if you want to watch Britain's biggest football scandal, it's available on YouTube now and it has more of this story about Manchester City. Ron says the next, the cost of living like a king. New figures show that royal spending has rocketed. I think they're worth every penny, the royal family. And I've invited two royal naysayers who think they're worth nothing to come and try and prove me wrong. Could get a little lively. So is nothing if not a fearless forum for fiery debate. I have strong opinions, but like all the world's eminent thinkers, I'm open to changing my mind. So tonight I'm trying something a little new. Prove me wrong is the title of his new segment. First up, is the royal family worth the money? The annual Crown report into royal finances was released today. King Charles and Co appear to have maxed out the royal credit card. Last year, they spent £107 million, while the sovereign grant was only £86.3 million. That means we're in the hole for around £20.7 million extra. Big numbers, indisputably. But in my view, the royal family still represents stunningly good value. I say they're worth every penny. We're here to debate the complete opposite at Alex O'Connor, the YouTuber, um, Royal Skeptic, and Graham Smith, Chief Executive of the UK's leading Republican movement, Republic, who's just handed me his new book, Abolish the Monarchy, Why We Should and How We Will. So, clear we're on different, uh, we're on different paths here, but the rules are simple. Uh, you guys have until you hear this sound <coughs> to prove me wrong. I say the royals are worth every penny that this country gives them, which, by the way, is literally one penny per person in this country per year. Per day. <laughs> per day, not a year. Uh, so it's a penny a day per person in the country. Well, it's not. And the point, the first thing to say about this, this debate is that the monarchy is not a financial transaction. So the, whether it makes a profit or not is neither here nor there. The measure of whether it's a good institution and worth keeping is whether it's good constitution, because that's what it's there for. Why are you so against and, it, out of interest? Well, because, firstly... Your whole life is devoted to ending... Yep. The monarchy. Firstly, it's wrong in principle. It's not democratic. It stands on a completely different set of feudal values instead of the values of uh, accountability, equality and democratic mm -hmm. uh, rights and so on. Secondly, as an institution, it is not fit for purpose. It falls well short of the principles of public life. Um, I, I don't think it's going too far to say it's corrupt. And constitutionally, in terms of our politics and, and the way power is exercised, it funnels a lot of power. Well, what have been the four most watched events globally involving this country in the last three years? Yeah, but that doesn't really. No, hang on. Well, you're going to say the weddings and the jubilees. Just answer, answer my yeah. question. You're going to say the weddings and the jubilees. I'm not cool. sure that's even the case because I think UEFA had. Um, well, forget uh, forget football. Well, <laughs> okay, we can't just say forget football. Well, national events. National events. National events which, which universally show this country. Well, the coronation. Nine percent of this country were enthusiastic about the coronation. Fifteen percent by another poll. So, the, you know, in terms of royalists, most people. You know, the people that you can genuinely call royalists is less than 15%. All right, but, see, here's the point, I think, which I think you, both you guys are missing, but, I mean, try and convince me, Alex. I just think when the world looked at the Platinum Jubilee, for example, when the world looked in a very different tone at the Queen's funeral, the King's coronation, you look at these events and it shows Britain, in my view, at its greatest. The pomp, the pageantry, the ceremony, the military precision. Oh, Everything worked like clockwork. Everyone around the world who was watching this, who was watching, and I, as a caveat, many people are not interested, I get that, 
but the millions, tens of millions around the world that watched it thought better of our country. How many things has happened in our country in the last three years involving our leaders, for example, which have brought shame and ignominy to the country? Here, you have a chance to show us at our best. Uh, what what yes. price do you put on there's that? There's nothing about the royal family that's brought us shame in your opinion, that you've been sort of oh, of relentlessly <laughs> talking human about. Beings, yeah, the idea that the human beings they are above as, the politics They are as fragile country, as any of us. And you say, you know, it doesn't help us to escape the various political scandals of prime ministers and presidents. Well, does it? I, I thought you were the one who's constantly banging on about Harry and Meghan and how they're a disgrace to our country or whatever it is. I don't, I don't think... Well, I think, they're, I think rather I like you two, their attempts to damage the monarchy and bring it down are actually disgraceful because I happen to support the monarchy. But so that's, few, that's a different argument. A few big events is not an argument for a constitution which is second-rate. It's not an argument for an institution that abuses public money, that abuses public office to lobby for their interests and so on. I mean, you know, 12, was it 13 years ago, 14 years ago now, the MPs' expenses scandal... Um, I'm sure you were one of the, the many commentators who were outraged by MPs spending public money on their own homes, their second homes. Yeah. And that was sort of hundreds of pounds, thousands of pounds, sometimes tens of thousands of pounds. The royals spend millions, tens of millions. Yeah, but you know, my view of, of that, my view of that well, is money if, you're going to their... if you're going to have a monarchy and a royal family and they're performing over a thousand duties a year, like which parties. is not a lot. Well, they're, they're actually getting lots of charities and they do a lot of help for people, which right? They couldn't do as private citizens. That, well, they, they could, but they wouldn't is... have the same impact. Okay. But here's my, here's my point. Here's my point. If you're going to have them, you should give them all the trappings. Why? Of a ro- Why? Because Where, otherwise the, they're not a royal family. The they're not a monarchy. Where's the logic? The logic the, is, the, if you want people to buy into the magic of a monarchy and royal right. family, but it's not, you've got to give them the tools but it's to be magical. It's not magic, it's corruption. Anymore. What would you have them in? A little te- Tesla? Uh, maybe, no. Maybe a, maybe a suit. Huh? That'd be fine. We could start by getting rid of these ridiculous garments. We spent most of the time that we've known what, dress King like Charles dressed like me. I mean, and so to see him for the first time... You're the king dressed like you. Him, no offence. Well, but... he'd probably put on a tie. Huh? He'd look more like you, I suppose. Yes. To see exactly. him suddenly put on these robes would be like watching Rishi Sunak or someone suddenly it's, don't it's part of our history. ludicrous robes. It gives, but it gives us something it's so few other countries in the ridiculous. world have. Nobody can take it seriously. And you may not like Nobody it, you take it seriously. But anyway. many around the world love it. If you go to the Caribbean, if you go to America, you go to Canada, many you people. go to India, you go anywhere in the world... Australia, and they bring they in just so monarchy, much money yeah. from tourism. Well, they, that's not true. But it is true. No, it is. That's definitely not, it's true. It's definitely not true. Now, look, the thing is, there is no evidence. And I've sat down with the CEO and chair of Visit Britain uh, about a decade ago, and I said, there's no evidence that if we got rid of the monarchy, tourism would go down. And they said, yes, you absolutely You don't right. think the royal family there brings is, in any money from tourism? There is no yes. evidence that that tourism money wouldn't come in anyway. I mean, if, if, you just, like the if you just look at the money that came in in the weeks leading up to these big events that we've had over no, the last the, four years, Look at the huge amounts of money. If you look in, at the visitor numbers, American tourists no, pouring the in. Australian go, tourists, the visitor tourists. numbers go down when these things happen. If you look at the visitor numbers, they go down when these people things stay happen. away from these kinds of things. And, and if I may say, Cheshire Zoo is a bigger tourist attraction in the UK than Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle. Mm. I wouldn't be in favour of a state-funded ceremonial opening. When was the last time hundreds of millions of people exhibit. around the world on I certainly, television watched I certainly the, watched the birth of a penguin at Chester Zoo? I certainly would not be in favour <laughs> do of its owners or its directors or indeed the, the, the sort of sometimes sinister and yet still to be pitied animals that go, are kept within its cages go, given any kind of political when office we, over the rest of us. When do we beam the lives of the, the inmates of, tourists, of Chester Zoo the to the world? The whims of tourists are not a good justification 
for political office. When the thing the that Tories are spending money on I mean, is not the way to decide what about, what about uh, Williams' campaign at the moment to end homelessness? Yeah, fantastic. Funded by what? Funded, uh, by, funded, funded by us. And, and yep. what's this, like three million, three three million, million pounds? pounds? You say you don't like his campaign against homelessness? I think it's, it's formative. formative. What have you got against the homeless? It's nothing he couldn't do huh? as we, a private citizen. We give him £22 million. What do you have against the homeless? We give him £22 million. We could spend that on... You don't want him to help the homeless. That's the most ludicrous thing you've said on this show, and that says a lot. The to bar is low, I agree. To, to say that this is something that requires royalty, to say that this is something that requires he has some kind of political office, that he's going to inherit the head of, uh, head of statehood, that he's going to become the head of state of this country, that's got anything to do with his ability See, to get three million pounds to charity. I like talking to you guys, right? You, ridiculous. You, you, guys are, you argue your case with great passion, but in the end, it's just a negative anti-argument. No, it's not. That's what you are. Not at all. A pair of you wake case... up every day and you think, how do I end this thing I hate? Why don't you just ignore it? It's a bit like but vegan. I'll tell you what it is. We're, we're having a vegan debate in a minute. It's a bit like vegans who run into steakhouses screaming abuse about well, no, meat. It's a bit like, if you don't like it's meat, a bit like, go and eat it's your a bit, drool it's a bit in a little like, restaurant in the corner. It's a bit like saying... Leave me to eat my steak. It's actually a bit like say, getting up in the morning and saying, I want to end homelessness because I hate it. I want to end the monarchy right. because it is a bad thing. It's bad for Britain. It's bad for our governance. It's not bad for Britain. It's bad for our governance. And also, it's for what it's worth, two out it's of the three times... It's purely it's ceremonial when it comes to governance. Two out of the three times that I've ever spoken about this subject. The pomp, the and because you've invited me to. Those are two what? of the three times that I've ever spoken about the subject in public. Yeah. It's because you've invited me to. So I don't think it's me who's banging on about this. It's not me who's waking up every day just desperate to see every the end of the monarchy. Every time we call you, you're, you're the one... Every time you call, we call you, your answering machine says, if that's Piers, I'll do it. So don't blame me. Uh, the clax has gone. The big question... Have you... <laughs> I think we know where this is going on the first one. But have you proven me wrong? No. Yes, have yes. we convinced you, you is another question. You haven't. The thing is... Read my book and then come back to me later. I will read your book, but I've got a pretty good idea what's in it because it's got Owen Jones quoted on the front saying a crucial riveting polemic. And what Owen Jones knows about crucial riveting polemics can be written on a postage stamp which has, yourself. The, king, in it. Which has the King of the United Kingdom's head on it, by the way, not mm. Owen Jones's. Uh, gentlemen. And God save him. A good well, Nobody indeed. else is going to in this country. <laughs> yes, they will. There's a lot more royal fans than you think. Uh, gentlemen, good to see you. Thank you. Your campaign will fail, but it will fail with passion, and I admire that. I'll bet you a tenner. OK. Is that £10 with King Charles's picture on it? Yes, it is. Uncensored next. So really, Chef John Mountain sensationally bans vegans from his restaurant. He says it's to protect his mental health. He joins me next live. to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Veganism, the art of eschewing all pleasure in life, is one of the 21st century's most bizarre trends, from where I look at it. But there are green, plant-based shoots of recovery. The new fashion is for high-profile vegans, including Explorer Bear Grylls, to revealing they're detransitioning back to healthy, meaty diets. And so many chefs like John Mountain, who runs Fire Restaurant in Perth, Australia, is also leading the fight back. He's made global headlines this week after announcing, sadly, all vegans are banned from fire for mental health reasons. We thank you for your understanding. Many didn't understand. He's been flooded with fake bookings and hostile reviews. But I'm joined now by the vegan ban himself, John Mountain, and here in the studio, animal rights activist Joey Carbstrong. Well, welcome to both of you. OK, John Mountain, why did you ban vegans from your restaurant? Uh, morning, Piers. Uh, I banned them from my restaurant because, look... I've been a chef for nearly 30 years, but on this particular incident, it was just too much. You know, they 
grouped together, which, you know, I'm very proud of the vegans for all sticking together, but they did. They grouped and banded together and then started hammering my business with one-star reviews. I saw my rating drop from a sensible 4.2 down to 2.8. They, they nearly broke me. God bless the vegans, though. It didn't and what, work. What was the incident that provoked all this? The problem that happened was a girl had uh, emailed me three weeks before uh, requesting a, a vegan selection. I, and I said, well, look, rather than saying that, what is it that you like? Tell me what you like. And she said, well, you know, I like gnocchi and risotto. I thought, OK, no problem. We change our menu every day, Piers, so it's not an issue. The problem was on the day that she did turn up, I, I couldn't do it. I, I let her down and it was a justifiable complaint. And she went nuts. But, yeah, slightly nuts. As I mean, they vegans, do. The, the, my thing about vegans is they tend to be, I don't know, they seem to me permanently hangry. Like the lack of meat in their diet makes them very intolerant <laughs> of people and they get very agitated. And if you don't sign up to all things vegan in the way that they want you to, all hell breaks loose. I think that seems to be the issue, um, Piers, to be honest. I think they're just missing a really good burger or a glass of milk, you know, or both. Uh, you know, they need to sleep more, be a bit more healthy. Although, you know, the vegan diet allegedly is healthy, just not for everybody else, you know. I think each to their own is 100%. OK, well, I wanna, okay let's come to Joey. So Joey Bear Grills, who I know well, said he's embarrassed he used to promote veganism. Uh, he now eats a diet of red meat, blood, bone marrow, as well as salted butter, eggs, fruit and honey. He says he's never felt better. Talking about his transition to a vegan diet, he said, I was vegan quite a few years ago. In fact, I wrote a vegan cookbook. I now feel a bit embarrassed about that because I promoted it. I thought that was good for the environment. I thought it was good for my health. And through time and experience and knowledge and study, I realised I was wrong on both. He's embarrassed to, that he promoted a plant-based diet when he drinks urine and bile out of uh, camel's stomach. Urine's quite healthy, though. It's healthy? Would you drink urine? Would you rather drink urine? Absolutely, if I had to, yeah. If I was in the yeah, but he, he's, if he's embarrassed that he uh, now that he uh, promoted a vegan diet and he's not embarrassed of his behaviour on TV and he thinks that eating the bodies of animals... Why are vegans uh, so angry? <clears throat> well, um, he, he made a statement saying uh, the vegans are hangry and angry, but he carried on and banned all vegans from his restaurant because of one simple complaint. He's allowed a, to? Yeah, he's allowed to ban a whole group of people from Well, he's a chef who's just sick of tailoring to vegan well, people who want to have all this stuff and get angry about meat well, Listen, 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 wait a second. He he got a two uh, he got a two star review when he was on um, Great British Menu, right? He ripped off his mic, smashed up the studio, and said that he wanted to kill the guy for giving him a two star review of a fish dish that he made. He didn't ban all fish eaters <laughs> took from his restaurant. Why not? You were right? you he were didn't you. ban all Why fish not? eaters. Joey, Joey, so, Joey, and we're gonna get, Joey, Listen. we're going to get personal. You were a gang member, so don't take the high moral ground of him smashing something no, up. Am I, am I, I'm completely honest about True? it. True. There's been documentaries made. Right, about so don't the take life. the high moral ground about him losing his temper. You were literally in a gang. I was 10 years ago, 10 years sober now. You're going to use I'm that. just saying, if you're uh, going to get personal with him... But anyways, I don't walk around with uh, dead baby pigs facing them like that. Like, does that look like oh, someone who really gives a damn about animals? Picture. Like, you know, and he, that's, he, he, that, that's his profile picture. Looking at a dead pig... Correct. In Joey, Austra Joey, in Australia, one second, I just want to say Joey, this. In me... Australia, pigs are killed in gas chambers, OK? They right. cause pigs... They're, they're horrible. Have you seen footage from inside a gas chamber? Joey, here's the thing... I recently exposed one in the UK. Yeah. They scream to death and beg for mercy. In Perth, there's a gas chamber called Lindley Valley Pork, right? And this guy serves pork 
pork at his restaurant. Right. And why would you be more Joey? upset that of a little complaint as a chef than pigs being murdered let in gas chambers? OK, let me ask you the question that I asked a vegan activist the other day, okay. which is that given that 80% uh, or 90% of the world's almonds come from California, where they're made in the involving the demolition of billions of bees who get murdered. How do you feel about the little guys? They don't guys? get murdered. Um, that's completely false, and I don't know why... How many billions, how many me, billions of bees die in, in the pollination? I've of, got the 2022 data right on, here. Then. They die mostly from parasites and pests. 66% die mm. of uh, varroa mites or other pests and parasites. But Some in the making, disease. in the making Excuse me, of no, almonds no. and avocados... <laughs> they don't. Oh, they do? They do? The data is here. It's this here. Do you know where I read this? This here is data from US Department of Agriculture. Do you know where I read this? I read it in The Guardian, the vegan bio. Bible. Even the Guardian <laughs> admitted me. that this you vegans who eat avocados Only and almonds... Only 6.7%. This is not... You don't care also, about the little guys. We boycott... Billions of bees get those, murdered and you bees, don't care. Where do those bees come from? Huh? Where do those bees come from? In America, from? they come from all over where? the country. The commercial uh, honey industry. That's true. And, and A lot what, of them do. do. Boycott? What do vegans boycott? Go on. The, the commercial honey industry. Why don't you boycott almonds and avocados? Because... I don't see a reason to. Most of the bees are dying from mites. Don't see... Do, 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 do you see pollination? You don't see a reason to. OK. All right. Listen... So you don't six, care about the little only guys? Only 6% die from pesticides, so it's not a really a rights violation. They're not murdering the bees. Joey, it is here's dying. my point. The bees big are pig, just... No. Big pig... One makes, second. A big pig makes you cry. A they little bee... Killed in gas you don't, you don't care. No, listen. You don't you care do, about... There's no reason bit, to be upset about pollination. Sometimes 50 They die from mites. Why aren't you angry at the mites? Hang on, Joey. Barrel of mites. Sort of shout over each other. Sometimes 50 billion bees die in six from weeks. From mites. To give you vegans. I've literally just your told you they die from mites. So the, that's uh, not true. These are agricultural stats that is from not America. true. Read the, read the Guardian. I, I read it in an article, Let an me, anecdote, so it must be true. Listen. Joey, how long have you been a vegan? Uh, 10 years. Right, do you actually, because you seem quite agitated to me. Like you want a I bit just of. spout nonsense about bees being murdered when they die from mites. They are murdered. <laughs> They're murdered. You're a, it's it's clown behaviour. But, but do you think, in a way, you represent what I feel about vegans? You're all no, quite listen, hangry. You, are you against animal cruelty, Piers? Yes. Then why do you support animal cruelty when you support the meat I don't. Industry? I've defended the bees for years. No. Well, they're, yeah. they're not murdered. They die from oh, mites. Billions of bees are murdered we, so that you, you vegans honey? can eat almonds and avocados. Do you honey where, they, where they're hired, hired from? John, let me, let me bring in John here. Uh, yeah. John, look, here's my point about the vegans. There's a lot of hypocrisy, as there is with all these debates, right? Which is that if you want to eat almonds and avocados as a vegan, you feel virtuous, you think you're saving the planet as well. Actually, neither of those things are true. Billions of bees get killed to make almonds and avocados. People can go read the, 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 the proper reports about this. Yeah. Uh, and also, they fly them men around the world or they truck them around the world and, of course, that is terrible for, for, the, for the planet. They truck animal products around the world. Do you believe, John, that there's a kind of basic hypocrisy here with the vegans? Look, I, I, I think, Piers, what I've noticed is that there's, there's a, a strange correlation that they have between um, eating meat and death and murder, which they like to keep promoting that murderous side. I think if they look at the definition of murder, you know, this is human versus human, uh, and that is it. You know, look, I'm 100% against animal cruelty, and for him to <laughs> bring up the great British menu, well, it just shows his mentality, you know. Good lad, congratulations, well done. It's not what we're about. I think each should be to their own, and you should just enjoy your life, you know. If, yeah. if they're going to argue, uh, Piers, I feel that they should... Why are you killing animals enjoy your life? 
But Joey, why oh can't my, you? Why are you killing animals? Look at this, Joey. It's Posing a pig. with a murdered pig. It's a pig. It's a pig. Yeah. Posing with That's a murdered pig. And, and it wasn't just you can't handle a simple complaint from a. And this woman, she's a very nice. Joe, woman. Joey, I spoke to this young woman. Yeah. She's very nice, very kind, very polite. And yeah. you can't handle a simple. Joey, let me ask you a question. A celebrity chef. Joey, and it's clear. Joey, even meat eaters complain about <laughs> Joey, his restaurant. He doesn't ban all meat. Joey, if you want to be, if you want to be a vegan, I don't care. Right? It's entirely down to you. If you if you want, they're not being slaughtered. Billions of bees. Everyone go Billions and Google. Billions of bees are getting killed okay. by mites. Here's what, here's what I say. To everyone, to everyone watching this, either on the show tonight or on YouTube later, go and Google bees, US Department bees, of Agriculture stats. almonds, right here. avocados, yeah. and you'll see the truth. And the truth. Even on. The Guardian, where they all are compelled to eat lentils every day when they wear their sandals to work. This is a gas chamber piss. This is how pigs are killed and slaughtered in the UK. This is my Piers, investigation. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Why don't you play me? Why don't you play me the sound of billions pigs? of bees being murdered? Well, I know that animals get killed so I can eat pigs. They're screaming to death. Right. Look at them. Face them. What do you think bees do? Face them. They're what do you think bees do when you murder them? They're, they get killed by mites. This is gas huh? chamber. Look at it. No, no, no. You they don't get, even want to look at it. They get slaughtered. You're a coward. I'm not cowardly. I know that animals get They're slaughtered so that I can UK. eat animal yeah. meat. I've stuck this camera in this gas chamber in the UK at Pilgrim's Pride mm. and they scream for their lives and every single animal welfare uh, here's my problem. against Here's them. my problem. And you uh, eat bacon and you promote it. I love bacon. You promote it. You I love bacon. You, you say you're against animal I love cruelty. sausages. <laughs> I love it all. I love eating meat. You love animal cruelty. Yeah, I'm prepared yeah. to admit I love eating meat. You're not prepared to denounce avocado and because almond Because you're making up stats. Like, they, they don't get Because slaughtered. they actually lead to Pollination the extermination of they millions of bees. Final word to John. John, is there anything that will persuade your mind to let vegans in? Because obviously he'd be a fantastic Sorry, guest in your restaurant. It's just discrimination, isn't it? Thank you, Piers. Discriminating I against I the whole group I didn't of people. It's just absolute childish, childish behaviour, discriminating against the whole group of people because of a one little silly complaint. Go ahead. Joey, when was, Joey, when was the last time you laughed? Last time I laughed? <laughs> when I heard you say that all bees are slaughtered because of avocados. It's an absolute abject it's lie. An ab it's an it's absolute lie. fact. You, and you can't, facts don't it's care about your feelings, Piers. Undeniable. Can I get a word Facts in? don't right. care about yeah, your feelings. Yeah, John, final word to you. Final word is how many vegans does it take to change a light bulb? Go on. None. They all prefer oh, to stay yeah. in the dark. Well, wait for the punchline. What's yes, the punchline? Yes, None yes, what? Yes. Go have a cry made they out of complaint. They all prefer to stay in the dark. <laughs> Go have a cry. Actually, the other one I like is that how do you know when someone's vegan? Don't I'll worry. Gas chamber footage. Don't worry. The UK. They'll they soon you. tell you and play uh, pictures and stuff of people screaming. Of pigs being murdered in gas. What chambers. they won't play you is bees being well, murdered. Joey, uh, Joey great brilliant. to see you. Bless John, you, thank you for He's joining brilliant. me from Perth. I appreciate Go vegan, Pierce. Unsays the next, the Rwanda migrant plan is ruled unlawful again and Madonna's back at home after a six-day stay in intensive care. The Beers Pack returns to feast on today's events. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Joining me now to talk to the contributors, Paul Lerone, Adrian and Richard Tice. Do you eat avocados and almonds? Delicious. I Absolutely do. delicious. Really you guilty about the bees? I do. Bit? I do, actually. Do because, Enough yeah. to stop eating them or not? Yeah, absolutely. You're giving up avocados and almonds right now? No. I will give up avocados so, and almonds because of what you said. Because wow. without insects, we are going to die. Without bees, we all die. Absolutely. I'm I bees, totally agree if with bees you. Are, if, are, if the vegans keep killing bees, the planet's over. That's why vegans are so dangerous. Let's tell us some other stories. Um, the Rwanda plan today, Richard, 
ruled unlawful. Uh, Rishi Sunak says the, the government will appeal this ruling to send asylum seekers to Rwanda, but the Court of Appeal judges ruled Rwanda had not provided enough safeguards to prove it is a safe third country to send people. Uh, Prime Minister says he fundamentally disagrees, but it's another massive blow. And what it does do, <clears> it shoves it, the can down the road again. No one's getting on planes to Rwanda anytime soon. Rishi Sunak's running out of time to deliver on this, isn't he? Yeah, look, I mean, he has pledged to stop the boats, and he's not going to stop the boats. Yesterday, the House of Lords, uh, they put another block in the way. They don't want to stop the boats. Today, you've got the Court of Appeal. Here's the thing, though. What they didn't do was look last week, last Tuesday, World Refugee Day. And in Rwanda, the UNHCR's own representative said that 132,000 refugees in Rwanda were thriving with education and employment Paula? opportunities. OK, let, let, let's forget about what's happening in Rwanda for a second. Let's forget what's happening even in our courts and let's deal with the figures and what practically this, the government is telling us. The government is telling us that it's going to cost £169,000 to send one asylum seeker to Rwanda. Mm. Rwanda tells us hang on a minute, we can only take between 200 to 1,000, actually, who are going to apply. And we know that last year, 46,000. So we don't need to talk about the Court of Appeal decision. We don't we need do. to the talk about is, what's happening no, in Rwanda because it's never going to work. We are being to, we have to, fooled into believing you that they do, are going to stop the boats. To they don't want to stop the boats, you, Richard. I, I agree. The to. British establishment does not want to stop the boats. The vested we interest here... We have net migration. Making, ..making so much profit. Absolutely. You've got to stop the boats. The kind and compassionate thing to do is to pick up and safely take back which we're entitled to do under existing international the treaties. The thing to do is to set up yeah, legal then, systems by which they can make their applications. We've already got them. 1.2 million well, people came clearly, here legally last year. No, no. We yes, they did. Net migration, this is 606,000 Who came moment. here through safe and legal they routes using through, a lawful through, visa system. Not, not asylum seekers. That is different. They can, and that is different. They, and, they play, and that is what they are playing on. They're they, playing and, on the and weakest so what happens, and most vulnerable and so people what happens if someone is rejected because they're an Albanian or they're an economic migrant and they're rejected under your safe and legal... That's you know different, isn't no, it's it? Not. Because what they're rejected they're, on they the basis of their economic migrants. They will continue to come illegally. Your migrants. safe and legal point is completely... It's a whataboutery. We need a deterrent. It's got to be strong. It's got All to right. work. Given how well you're both getting on, <laughs> what's been your, your favourite chat-up line you've ever heard? Oh, it's too long ago, Piers. I can't remember. Piers, <laughs> isn't it? Paula? Piers, I wish I could control the alphabet because I would turn you and I together. Oh, Paula, you naughty girl. Um, <laughs> apparently, Brits uh, were polled on this and their favourite was, is your name Wi-Fi? Because I'm feeling a connection. Oh, for God's sake. Has anyone ever fallen for this? Other ones included, is your name Google? Because you're what I've been searching for. Are you a parking ticket? <laughs> You've got fine written all over you. Should we get a coffee? I like you a latte. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> is it any wonder so many people are single in this country? Some of these words didn't exist when I was dating Piers. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and quick other serious uh, story. The story of the RAF discriminating against white men. Fascinating. The RAF has been found to have unlawfully discriminated against white men in a recruitment drive aimed at boosting diversity. 72-page report ordered by the former RAF head, Air Chief Marshall, and it's come back and said, yeah, this was completely wrong. More than 30 men were identified as having missed out on a potential £5,000 golden handshake to start cyber roles in the RAF. What do you make of this? Look, this is absurd. I mean, this is all of this drive for diversity, inclusion and equality, which is a good thing in itself. But when it goes completely the other way, to the other end of the spectrum... Actually, all of a sudden, 
there's other forms of discrimination. Mm. What about the best person for the job? Isn't that a basic sort of common I mean, sense? I, I mean, and I would agree with you, but you Excellent. know... Excellent, we're getting on better. But you know that that doesn't work. That, 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 that doesn't deal... That doesn't li that's not our reality, Richard. It's not my reality. It's not many people of colour's reality that the best person always gets the job. And that is the problem. However, of course, you have to accept that it was unlawful. You cannot have positive discrimination. And it's right that this decision uh, came out. I absolutely support that. Mm. Because what actually the RAF should have done is consulted. And, and perhaps they didn't consult in the way they should have done in, in terms of inclusive diversity. It's a tricky diversity. one. Because you do want to have, obviously, diversity and inclusion. Of course you do. Uh, and you want everyone to get a fair crack of the whip, regardless of skin colour, gender, sexuality, whatever it may be. But when you see stories like this of active discrimination against white men to try and achieve this, it is it's fundamentally wrong. Of course, it's where's the common sense in this? Where's the sense that, yes, you want to do the right thing mm. um, and, and give everybody an equal opportunity and then choose the best person? I don't think that's that difficult. Mm. And look, we're, we're, we're in so just much better a place than we were bag this pain 20 that you're years. Feeling, bag this pain that you're feeling. And the next what, time I come is, and is tell you... Is that your latest chat-up line? Next time <laughs> I come and tell that you... That is the best chat-up line of the night. <laughs> bag this pain you're feeling, Richard Tice. Uh, we've got to leave you there. Great to see you. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. I'm off for a drink with Paula. <laughs> Good night.